Welcome to the Road to Life Church podcast. Here with our pastor, Mike Shepline, you will be inspired through the Word of God. For more information, please visit roadtolifechurch.com. You know, when we throw the definition out, defining prosperity, everybody here wants to prosper. Can we agree with that? I believe when you, when you look in the Bible, what you find out is that that is a God-inspired desire. He is the one that put that desire on the inside of us. And, but what it is, is that you stop and think about it, is that for that desire to remain healthy, that pursuit must embrace God's influence. If it doesn't embrace God's influence, then it can have a negative impact on our life. You know, Joshua chapter 1 says this, Joshua is speaking to, God spoke to Joshua, and Joshua then is speaking to Israel, and he said that if we would stay connected to God's word, God said that we would prosper and have good success. In James chapter 6, Jesus said that if we would seek him first, all of the things that the world replaces God with in their pursuits, Jesus said, I'll see to it that it comes into your life. And when we use the word prosperity or success, it's really important that we define it through a biblical lens or God's view of it. And what and to where our heart is saying, God, what do you say prosperity is? And what we found out, and I encourage you to go online and watch, but what we found out a couple of weeks ago is that what God defines prosperity or success is, is he defines it as a prosperous soul. And you say, well, what do you mean by a prosperous soul? The world defines prosperity on one dimension. And I'm going to put it to you like this. The world's definition of prosperity is somewhere down around here, but God's definition is here. And it not only encompasses that, but it encompasses every area area of our life. And I like that you look in 3 John 2, and it says this. It says, beloved friend, I pray that you are prospering in every way. Think about that for a moment. Prospering in every way. That covers every area of our life. But then look at what he said, and that you continually enjoy good health. Now look at this, just as your soul is prospering. God said us prospering in every way is directly linked to our soul prospering and that we've got to embrace a soul prospering process. And if you look in 1 Timothy chapter 6, is that God wrote Timothy as the pastor of the church. And what he basically said is he said, if you get prosperity wrong, it can ruin your life and it will ruin people's lives. And so a couple of weeks ago, we, you know, Jill and I had this incredible, you say, well, you taught it two weeks ago. Why are you now? Because me and my wife had this incredible, opportunity to go camping. Everybody say camping. Woo! Now let me just throw this out. How many of you believe that my wife looks like a camper? That's bad, man. Come on. So we're getting ready, you know, and I got the bucket out and, and bolted the toilet seat to it and was showing her the right leaves to pick. How many of you are with me? Pick the wrong leaves and it can just mess the whole trip up. How many of you know what I'm saying? Not. That did not happen. Okay, I'm just throwing that out there. My wife, look, my wife is a glamper. 
she's not a camper. Okay. <laughs> Did you notice that was a lady that says that? <laughs> Did you notice? And so, and so, but we had the opportunity to go camping. And what we, what happened is, is we brought our three-year-old granddaughter with us. And it was awesome. You know, we're, it was, we, had, we brought our three-year-old in, and, and everybody knows that part of camping is s'mores. How many of you are with me on that? Me and my wife have this little bit of a disagreement because I was raised in a house with 16 kids. And when you have 16 kids, when you break the chocolate out for s'mores, I mean, and I had a sister that was a monitor. How many of you had sisters that were monitors? They would be like, my mom breaks these little, I mean, these little tiny cubes. And it's like, here's your chocolate ration. And here's your graham cracker. And here's your thing. My wife is like, I need a half a candy bar. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, you are wasting in our house. And she's like, you were just raised wrong. <laughs> she just raised wrong. So, but what happened is, is what are s'mores? S'mores are dessert. Are they not? Yeah. They're, they're dessert. And us, when we go camping, we're active. So we'd hike five, 10 miles. We'd ride our bikes. We do all kinds of stuff. And we had our granddaughter. And every day she would get up and she wanted to start the day with s'mores. She would say, s'mores, s'mores. But we knew that we had a long day ahead. And what it, what it is is that life is like a long hike. That's what it is. It's not a dash. It's a, a long hike. And we can't make it on the world's s'more mentality about prosperity if we're going to make the long hike. We can't make it. We won't, we won't make it. But what it is, is I get to pick what I believe and what I eat mentally and spiritually about prosperity, and it affects everything. It affects every area of my life. And so what we're going to do is today we're going to drill down into a guy by the name of Abraham. Everybody say Abraham. Abraham. We're going to drill into Abraham's life. Abraham in the Bible is probably revered outside of everyone except God higher than anybody in the Bible. If you study Abraham's life, what is amazing is the Jewish nation, they trace their roots back to Abraham. If you look when God spoke to Moses, God spoke to Moses and he said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I mean, even God name dropped Abraham. How many of you know what I'm saying? In the New Testament, Christianity traces our faith back to Abraham. If you look, Jesus came out of a prophecy to Abraham. Abraham is revered as the father of faith. The new covenant of us being declared righteous in God's sight by faith and not by works or us earning it, it came out of it all started with Abraham was declared righteous by faith. See, what we've got to realize is, you know, the, in the New Testament, those that, are, that live by faith are called children of Abraham. I mean, you stop and you think, if you wanted to drop a name, if you wanted to do a name drop in the New Testament, you'd name drop Abe. 
He just, Abraham said, and everybody would be like, whoa, Abraham said. I mean, we even got a song about Abraham. How many of you remember that song? Father Abraham had many sons. Come on, Father Abraham, and I am one of those, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right, our Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had fought. They're watching us online, guys. One of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm. Father Abraham had many sons. And then it goes to right leg, many sons. Had, and then it goes to left leg. And then it goes to head up. Never mind, forget it. <laughs> but, but what it is, is we're going to look at something God said to Abraham when Abraham started his relationship with God. God comes into a relationship with Abraham, and what we're going to see is Abraham knew nothing about God. And so what God did is he defined what a prosperous soul looks like, and then he tells Abraham what a prosperous soul will do in his life. So God first defines what it looks like, and then God says, if you have a prosperous soul, this is what it's going to look like. And if, and if he'll follow, it will cause his life to be blessed beyond anything he could ever do on his, have ever done on his own. And that targeting a prosperous soul will cause every area of his life to be blessed, every area of his life to prosper. And so I want you to turn or open your, your mobile device or if you've got a paper Bible or whatever, they're going to put it on the screen. And we're going to start reading in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through verse 5. And I'm just going to, it says, the Lord, now I'm going to read and we're going to actually down the road, this is for context and we're going to take this apart. It says, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. What I want you to notice in verse 1, if you take notes, is highlight this, is it says the Lord had said. Not the Lord was saying, but God had said. Meaning that God had told Abraham this thing before we're reading it. This is the second time at least that we know that God had said, or past tense, Abraham, I want you to leave your native country, I want you to leave your relatives, and I want you to leave your father's house. And then God says to him, he said, I will, in, I will make of you, you into a great nation. Now, what I want you to do is you can do it with me, but every time that God infers being blessed or saying blessed, that he'll be blessed, I want you to put a finger up on your hand because we're going to see something in two verses what God said. God said, I will make you into a great nation. That's the first blessing right there. He said, I will bless you and make you famous. Everybody say two. You can put your hand up like me so I'm not all alone. Okay. He said, and you will be a blessing to others. Three. And I will bless those, there's four, 
those who bless you, there's five, and curse those who treat you with contempt, all the families of the earth will be blessed, there's number six, through you. What I want you to notice is this, is God spoke to Abraham, but then what God said about himself is, I am a blesser. 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 Six times after God asked Abraham to do something, God said to Abraham, Abraham, if you will do this, I am a blesser. See, we got to believe that God is a blesser. If we don't believe God is a blesser, we will not follow him. We won't do. I'm amazed at some Christians, they act like God is a stick in the mud. Oh, he just doesn't want me to have fun. Excuse me. He wants you to have more fun than you have ever had. He just wants to remove the stuff that's killing you that you will regret later. That's all he wants to do. That's all he wants to do. But he started with Abraham and he said, Abe. One word, leave. Leave what, Lord? Your community, your family, and your father's house. We're going to get into that, and we're going to unpack that in just a moment. You know, it says in Hebrews 11 that when we come to God, we must believe that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him out. I got to believe it. See, this is what Abraham knew nothing about God. God told him six times. Verse two, or pardon me, verse four. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. Where did Abraham leave? Try it again. Where did he leave? Okay, remember, verse 1, God had spoke to him before. Now, in verse 1, God had spoken to him. Verse 4, he's leaving Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. And when they arrived at Canaan, notice what God said to Abraham. I just need you to do this one thing, Abe. I want you to have an open heart to leave your native country, your relatives. And then he, and we know that God spoke to him and said previous to this. And I want you, if you're taking notes and they're going to put it up on the screen, I want you to turn to Acts chapter seven, Acts seven is what we're going to see is in the new, and Stephen gives us more detail into Abraham's life. But in Acts seven, Verse two is he's on trial, Stephen is, for telling people about Jesus. And he's standing before the high court, the Sanhedrin, and he's giving an account and addressing his accusers. In verse two, it says this. This was Stephen's reply. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. Our glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran. Notice, remember verse 1, chapter 12, verse 1? God had spoken to him. Now what we clearly see, and then in verse 4, God, it says that they left, he left Haran. 
Stephen just gave her deeper insight and said, no, God spoke to him in Mesopotamia or Ur of the Chaldees. Mesopotamia means the land between two rivers. It's the Euphrates and the Tigris. And what we're seeing here is that before he ever settled in Haran, God spoke to him. We don't know how far back, but 10, 20, or 30 years back. And look at what it says. God told him, Leave your native land and your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. So Abraham left the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran until his father died. Then God brought him here to the land where you now live. Well, if you study this, and I would encourage you, Genesis chapter 11 tells us that Abraham is not the one that initiated leaving Ur of the Chaldees, but it was his father that went to Abraham, Terah, and said, you know what, let's leave here. We're going to leave. And so Abraham followed. Go back to Genesis 12, verse 1. And it says, the Lord had said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And I want to just ask a question right now. Why would God say, leave your community, leave your family, and leave your father's house? Why would, doesn't that just sound radical? I mean, if I just, if like I gave an altar call, and you responded and gave your life to Jesus, and then I looked at you and said, hey, you need to leave your community. You need to get away from your, all your relatives. And you need to get away from your father's house. How many of you would look at me and be like, yo, last week here. How many of you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you would just be like, the dude taught a good sermon, but both oars ain't in the water. How many of you know what I'm saying? You'd just be like, sounds radical. Why would God come into a relationship with Abraham and then turned to him right at the relationship and said, I need you to do something. You need to leave your community. You need to leave uh, your family and you, you, your relatives and you need to leave your father's family. Joshua 24 answers it for us. Joshua 24 verse 1 and 2 is Joshua is reviewing history with the Israelites. He's getting ready to die, and he calls them all together. It says, then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. Realize this is over a million people. And called for the elders of Israel, and for their heads, and for their judges, and for their officers. That's all the leaders. They presented themselves before God. Now look at what Joshua said. Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord the God of Israel says, your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, live beyond the Euphrates River, that's Mesopotamia, Ur of the Chaldees, in ancient times. And look at what it says. And they served other gods. Look at that statement. All of a sudden, we realize, oh, Abraham is living in an idol-worshiping pagan culture that is being reinforced every day in his life over and over and over. He's talking about Abraham's community, Abraham's relatives, and his dad's family. See, he was raised in a home that worshiped other gods 
Now he comes into a relationship with the God, knows nothing about God. He does not have a Bible. He knows nothing about the true God. And it was, so his culture, his belief system, his way of doing life, and his way of seeing life was directly influenced by his upbringing and those that were around him. And God comes into his life and God knows his family serves other gods on the other side. And Abraham was raised in this environment that was less than God's best, but it was normal for him. There was an environment that he was in that was totally normal, but it was the antithesis of what God's was. If we could just put it really simple, Abe was raised in a dysfunctional environment. Are you with me? Abe was like, he was raised. Realize this, and this is where I want us to just reel it in, is the greatest influence over our lives that affects our belief in the way that we see life, in the way that we see God, and our belief about our future is our upbringing. It's how we were brought up. It's whether we realize it or not, we were pre-programmed by our parents. It was, they didn't sit there and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And let me just throw this out there. No parent is perfect. Every parent makes mistakes. The only one that's perfect is God. Every one of us here have got a level of dysfunction within our life. And God is coming and he's saying, what I want you to do is embrace a prosperous soul so that I can bring my blessing to every area of your life. But you've got to be willing to leave that old way of thinking, that stinking thinking that screwed everything up and embrace my promises, my word, and my ways in and over your life and I will bless you beyond what you could ever imagine are you with me today see if left unchecked and unrenewed the greatest the, the greatest hindrance to my soul prospering is my past it's what the way that I think it's the way that I see see this is why when God went to Abraham he's like there ain't, nobody for, there ain't nobody to mentor Abraham. He's looking at Abe, and he's like, Abe, I got a plan. But I'm just going to tell you now, let me just be really clear. God is not telling you to leave your family. You all with me on that? He's not. But God spoke to him and drilled down. And what it is, is God said, Abraham, I want to show you what a prosperous soul looks like. And a prosperous soul realized Yours, what affects you prospering in your soul is everything, and I'm just going to throw this out for a moment. If you were brought up in a loving, accepting home, it is very easy for you to be loving and accepting of those around you. But if you were brought up in a rejecting, not loving, critical home, it is going to be hard for you and God is saying, I need you to be open to leave that way of thinking. Because if you don't, it's going to affect you prospering in your relationships right now. Are you with me today? If you, if you stop and you, you know, you're here and you say, oh, you know, I was raised in a, as a have-not and with a victim mentality and a poverty spirit. God is saying, you know what? I'm a good God. 
I want to bless you. But you have got to let go of that mentality. You have got to quit seeing yourself as a victim that can't get ahead because you serve a good God. You serve a faithful God. You serve a God that is greater than your past, but I need you to stop identifying with the past and believe that when you came into me that you're a new creation in Christ. Behold, the old has passed away, and I need you to start renewing the way that you think to embrace my ways. See, if you were raised in a home that had empathy, and you there was, there was empathy, then it's normal for you to have empathy. But if you were raised in a home that had no compassion, then, it's, then that's an area. If you were raised in a home that celebrated when other people were blessed, or you were raised in a home full of envy and jealousy, God says, oh, you got to let me get to that root right there because it's, uh, it's hindering. If you were in, raised in a home that believed the best, then it's normal for you to believe the best. But if you were believed, raised in a home that believed the worst, then it's normal for you to believe the worst. If you were raised in a home that blamed everybody else for everything that is going on and it's hard to accept responsibility, then God says, you got to let me grow you through that where you don't get your worth from what you do, but you get your worth from who I am and who I say you are. Are you with me? You know, it's, see, God is saying that root hinders the prosperous soul. Can I just have an honest moment with you? Honest moment. Yeah, I'm just, y'all, <laughs> I got stuff. How many of you are with me? You're, you just look at me like, oh, we know. <laughs> we know. We all got stuff. But I remember, and this was probably a dozen years ago, is um, we were all playing, and my kids were doing something out in the yard and whatever, whatever. And they did something that bugged me. And I just reacted and said something. And I thought, and I, as soon as I did it, I caught myself. And I thought, where in the heck did that come from? How many of you are with me on that? I thought, where in the heck did that come from? And I closed my eyes. said, Lord, I didn't think that. Where did that come from? I could hear my dad saying it when I was a kid. God said, give it to me. Invite me in right there. I said, okay, God, I need you to help me. See, in our lives sometimes, when you use the word prosper, it's every area of our life. The greatest hindrance to God is not the devil. He's whipped. His butt's been toast for 2,000 years. How many of you know what I'm saying? It's my thinking that won't embrace a prosperous soul. And I'm running to God saying, fix it. And he's saying, I need you to let me get to the root. Are you with me? Can I just, <laughs> you know, I was raised, you, know, you guys have heard, I was raised in a big family, 16 kids. But when I was young, and, and you say, oh, your mom had 16 kids. No, she had nine. But we, she married a guy with seven. And my first dad was, my biological father was very conservative. Su I mean conservative. We, when we went to, no way, I am out of time. <laughs> this is terrible. Should I finish my story? 
my dad was like, I was like, for lunch every day, two peanut butter jelly and jelly sandwiches and a piece of fruit. This is Southern California, so by the time lunch would roll around, you had it in a paper bag, it just rolled up into a ball. How many of you know what I'm saying? And I'd look at the kids that had chips. I'd be like, I want chips. I ain't get no chips. Now you come to my house, I got a chip cabinet. How many of you know what I'm saying? <laughs> my wife says, why didn't you buy more chips? I said, we might get low. We ain't got water, but we got chips. How many of you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you say, what was that? Childhood wound. You say, aren't you going to let the Lord deal with it? He said, eat them, baby. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Can I give you a scripture in my first point? Matthew 10, verse 34 through 37. Jesus said this. Do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword of division. Now look at where it is. Between belief and unbelief. Notice where his sword is. Believing and not believing. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's enemies will be members of his own household when one believes and the other does not. He who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Notice what he said. If I hold to an old way, an old worldly model that goes against God's way, God says you got to understand you're judging yourself not worthy of me. You're judging yourself not worthy of the freedom that I came to bring. And this is my, was my number one point. I'm going to close. We must be open and willing to allow God to show us the roots. Lord, I'm open. See, this is what happened with Abraham. I'm open. Am I open and willing to allow God to show me roots that came from my upbringing? Or maybe negative experiences. Maybe you're here and you've been married before. Your previous mate was just an absolute and now it's hard for you. And, you know, because of, because of that, that's deep down on the inside. Maybe a negative experience that I've had that go against God's way. We've all have them. All of us do. When we're not prospering in an area, God wants us to be open to see the roots. He wants us to be open to get not just the fruit on the tree, but the root on the outside. And I want to be clear, God's not against our family, not at all. He created family, but no family is perfect. And what it is, no upbringing is perfect. We're all imperfect, and we've all picked up baggage. But what we got to do is we got to say, Lord, I am open. And it takes me agreeing with God and following him for the power of the Holy Spirit to change me. Or I say, let me just say, you, you and I, we can't, I'm just going to say we can't fix it. And the reason is, is we usually don't recognize it. We don't see it. And number two, if we could have fixed it, we would have fixed it. It takes me agreeing with God and the power of the Holy Spirit comes into my life 
and begins to lead me and change me from the inside out. Amen. I'm sorry, I'm out of time. Stand to your feet if you would.